0: Fellowship family, I'm going to invite you to stand, let's sing, and let's celebrate the shelter that we have in Jesus Christ. When all I
1: see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see the mountain. As I walk through the shadow Your love surrounds me We thank you for your love There's nothing to fear now For I'm safe with you So when I fight I fight on my knees With my hands Oh, God, the battle belongs to you. Every spirit I lay at your feet, I sing through the night. Oh, God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are, and if you are for.
2: Good morning, fellowship, you may have a seat. I know what you're thinking. Pastor got him a sports coat, right? No, we own him, actually I borrowed it from Mickey. No, I'm just kidding. Um, No, no, we dress up every once in a while around here. We have parent-child dedication this morning. We're so excited to have the children on stage. You will see that we are growing in multiple ways, and one of them is through babies in this world, and so we're excited for that. But hey, if you're here this morning, you're new, we are so excited that you are here worshiping with us, and we want to say a special welcome to you. And uh, we are excited that you're here. A couple things you need to know about. One is, after this service this morning, we have a legacy gathering just across the hall, and if that interests you, a legacy, our legacy ministry, we invite you to join us for that. But this morning, we want to start off the service. We want to focus on the youngest of our body, and that is our children. And I want to tell you this real quick. If you take our family ministry, you can put it in three sections. You have early childhood, that's before school age, right, Robin? And Robin heads that group up. And you just say thank you to Robin for heading that group up. And then we also have our elementary ministry headed up by Matt Archer, and then we have our fellowship student ministry, and that's 7th through 12th graders, and Caleb Freeman's the team leader for that group, and so just a lot of ministry goes on in those age groups. If you have children in those age groups, you should be very excited about what's going on. I know this, the student ministry has a, a mission trip meeting for parents after the service today, so lots of things going on, but today we're talking about parents and their children. is that right, Robin?
3: Yes, yes. So exciting, we get to do this a few times a year and it's always a sweet time to get to see our families come together. So this morning in this service, we have three families that um, we're gonna invite up and get a chance for you to take some some responsibility and make a commitment to them. So let me start by inviting the Daganis up. We have Delta Kate. She has um, a big brother, Daniel. And Dylan and Caitlin are her parents. They say that Delta radiates joy and she has the biggest expressions, you can see. (laughs) We couldn't love her more. She's sweet yet determined and loves her family fiercely. (laughs) Our next family has double blessing. This is Bryce and Christine Larry. They have Grant Austin, Big Sis Ashlyn. So they say about Grant, energetic Grant loves to play with his toys, laugh, and babble. Our hope is that your desire would be to know God and to make him known. So We want to pray that with them. And they have William Crawford, Larry. So uh, they say, our sweet Will loves to snuggle, smile, and give kisses. Although identical twins, we already see how God has uniquely made each of you. We pray that you would know God as your Savior and that your identity would be in him as you walk in obedience. <laughs> and then we have Andrew Kent Lauder. His parents are Seth and Laura Beth, and he has a big brother, Graham. Graham. So, Andrew is the perfect addition to our family. He's so sweet and curious and funny. We love to hear him laugh and see him smile. He brings us so much joy. Look at these cute kids.
2: Fellowship, it's my privilege this morning to give these parents a charge, but not only these parents, also you a charge, and then we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to have the parents come down front, or the family members and community members come down front, and we're going to have a time of prayer. But parents, if you'll look at me, and you believe this, and you agree with it, then at the end, would you say, we will? Parents, will you commit to pray for your children? Will you commit to model a godly lifestyle for them, a lifestyle focused on God and His Word? Will you commit to a marriage focused on Christ and serving one another? If so, say, we will. Very good. Well, as they, you all go down and meet your family, family members and community group members and friends, if you would come up and meet them and just surround them good for prayer. And as they do that, fellowship, I've got a charge for you. And the charge is this. Will you commit to praying for the future of fellowship? And not only the future of fellowship, but our community. Will you pray for these children? Will you encourage them? Will you serve In the early childhood ministry for them. Even invest in them by taking time. If so, say we will. Very good. Well, as I pray for these families and pray for these children, would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, we pray for Delta Kate. What a wonderful name. And what a beautiful heart she has. We pray Colossians 3 right now, and that she does, whether in word or deed, everything she does would be all in the name of you, Lord. Mm-hmm. And would it bring glory to you? Lord, we also pray for Grant. He's a twin, he's one of two. Lord, we pray that, that you would strengthen him, and with the power through the Spirit, that Christ may dwell in his heart all the days of his life. And Lord, may he grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And his brother Will. Lord, as Isaiah 40.10 says, we we pray that you would help Will not to fear. Lord, that he would not be dismayed, that he would realize that you are his God and that you would strengthen him and you, you would help him and that you will uphold him. And Lord, we pray for Andrew. We pray that he would pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and endurance and gentleness. That all the days of his life he would fight the good faith and he would take hold of eternal life. Lord, we pray that for all these children this morning, that they would take hold of eternal life and that we would be a church, a place that they could gather and that they could grow. That, Lord, when they fall down, we would help them up with encouragement, with love. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, would you give these families a hand? Also, I think, I, I think we have a slide for you. It's got a picture of their names on it. And if you would, just pull out your camera and take a picture of that slide and pray for those names in the coming weeks and months and years to come. Thank you.
3: Let's stand and continue worshiping together.
4: Oh
0: Take a seat. There's gonna be a passage from Ephesians on the screen and I just want us to pause, take a, a quick moment and just reflect, meditate on, contemplate, consider just how wide, how deep, how high is the love of Christ. You for empowering us through the Holy Spirit and rooting us in your love. May we be strengthened and encouraged today as you dwell within us and do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or ever imagine.
1: So long, Jesus, when the mountains shake I put my trust in By the grace of God Through it all Through it all By the grace of God I'm forgiven Because you were forsaken Yes, I'm a
5: You may be seated. Thank you, Heath, and team. Y'all sound great. And you sound great too. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Yeah, there you go. You sound great. You know, I'm just overwhelmed this morning with gratitude. Walk back in the back there, and just I want to thank all of you who've been bringing food all the years. For the worship team, some of you may not know that, and it's your turn. Um, (laughs) But people bring food for our worship team because they get here early, and they rehearse and everything, and you bring food so they can eat. And uh, just thought about all the years that you've been doing that. So thank you for that. And also want to say thank you for being so responsive uh, to our disaster relief. We opened that portal when Hurricane Ian Uh, was about to hit the Naples-Fort Myers area began immediately before they lost power to get in touch with partners down there and um, we have partners on the ground working and immediately you responded and this week we're able to send them $20,000 immediately uh, when they could get and uh, the guy that we're working with with Covenant Church down there uh, he told me this week, he said, the, the greatest need we have is getting housing for people, and that's what they're using that money for, and so uh, we're going to continue to disperse money and try to help them as long as we can. We're still helping people in Springdale uh, from uh, the tornado there last spring, and um, so thank you for your generosity through the years. You know, I thought this week, it was 10 years ago that we started talking about the possibility of a Fayetteville campus. Um and I think we have a picture of that up there. And then uh, just under five years ago when we started praying about the possibility of a Bentonville campus, uh, they all run about the same amount of adults that you are running here in two services. Can you imagine trying to fit all of them in this room if you hadn't had the vision and the preparation to do that? And over, over that 10 years, you have sacrificially donated over $40 million for those buildings. Yeah. And so it's God working in and through you and lives are being changed every single week on, on all of our campuses. And so I'm just thankful to God for that. And, uh, you know, we, we had a process. We've got a little list here for you of what it looked like Um uh, there was responding to the vision, and then we prayed, and then we built the buildings, and then we released leaders, and there's one thing left, and that's just to eliminate the debt. Uh, out, of, out of all that that has been donated, we're less than $4 million away of paying this off, and we'd love to get that done before the end of the year. And so we're letting everyone know, just help us eliminate the debt. Some of you who have been here a long, long time remember TGI, the Great investment. That will be paid off in December. And we'd just like to be free and clear of any debt whatsoever uh, to get that done. But we thank God for providing through you to help us with that. I asked our our team if they would create a a place where you could go easily uh, to do that. I'm just calling this Eliminate the Debt. Get rid of it. And so if we could bring that QR code up there, I think we have one. Uh, Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not, but uh, there should be a place where you could go uh, to on our website, and it'll say "eliminate the debt," and you can go and easily take care of that. So, uh, thank you uh, for all that you've done. We're in the Book of Ephesians today, and this is an incredible passage of Scripture. When I saw that I'd been assigned this passage, I thought, "Oh, good! I love this passage." And as a matter of fact, Verses uh, 14 through 21, I would encourage you to take a red pencil and draw a heart over that section. Because it is so significant. Uh, I want to read the passage for you today. And I just want you to listen to it. Maybe close your eyes. Just think about what Paul is saying about the powerful, enduring love of Christ for you. He says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Oh God, we pray that you would add your blessings to your word. That you would open our hearts and engage our minds. Help us hear clearly how you might speak to us today as you walk these aisles. And you whisper to us things that we might need. Each one of us at a different place in life. With different joys and different struggles. Speak to us, Lord. Draw us near to yourself. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Paul had a special relationship with the Ephesians. He spent at least three years with them, we know. In the book of Acts, beginning in chapter 16, you see a little bit of Paul's record there. Uh, Paul wanted to go in 16. He wanted to go to Ephesus, but the Holy Spirit said, no, not yet. And it's a good reminder for us as God's timing is always more important than time. I mean, we might think that, hey, I gotta do this now, but God might say, not yet. God's timing is more important than time, and he would go. When he went to Ephesus, he released leaders. He established Priscilla and Aquila and they would establish Apollos and they would do ministry in the city. Timothy would as well. That's in Acts 18. He spent almost three years in Ephesus after that. At one point, he caused a riot in the city. And we'll see the theater in a moment where that riot happened. In Acts 20, Paul records the tearful farewell to the Ephesian elders as he was headed back toward Jerusalem a little dangerous for him to go back into Ephesus at that point. And so he stopped at Miletus and the elders came to the island. And they wept over one another because they knew that they would probably never see him again. It's a moving, moving part of the scriptures. I have some pictures here of Ephesus for you. Uh, I was there with Mark Yarborough. uh You know, Mark, he's the new president of of Dallas Theological Seminary, and he's standing on something he probably shouldn't have been standing on, uh, but he's teaching there, and and we had a good journey through Ephesus. Boy, was it hot. Um, The next one there, we have, this is the library on the left, left, the, the library of Celsus, and that's our group out there, and I think right after we took the picture, they called the hogs uh but that's down at the end of card i bet that had never been done before um and on the right you can see the library down at the end of the street that's the cardo with with all different shops on the left and the right can you imagine paul walking down the street telling people about the lord and on the left there you see this this covered building there that doesn't look ancient they they found a lot of homes there where wealthy people live there in Ephesus and they have it all covered now because uh, they found these beautiful frescoes in in these houses. And between there in the library, this is just a little side note, that's where Cleopatra's sister is buried. Because she fled to Ephesus to hide in the temple of Artemis, but uh, Cleopatra wouldn't have that. You were supposed to be safe in there. They dragged her out and she was murdered and they buried their, her right there um, at that spot right across from the city. This next photograph is, that's where um, this, this magnificent theater is and uh, that's where the riot happened when Paul was there. Um, seats about 25,000 people. So it it was big. Ephesus was a big place. Probably 3 million people or so lived there. And this next was on the boat. I found Sam Hannon meditating one day. Um, I think there was a service going on at the time and I found him up there in a chair. So if you're interested in going on the journeys of Paul trip, there's a trip coming up. Uh, ...next year, and I think they have about 15 spots left. It's June the 1st through the 12th of 2023, and so I wanted to put that up there in case you might be interested in going. But Ephesus was a special place for Paul, and so when he writes them, uh, I want you to know that the first half of Ephesians is for doctrine. It's who we're supposed to be in Christ doctrine for members of Christ's body. And then the second half of Ephesians is about duties for members of Christ's body. So the first half of Ephesians is who we're supposed to be and the second half of Ephesians is how we're supposed to live. And so today we wrap up that first half of who we are supposed to be in Christ. Now, I want you to look at this next graphic, this passage we read today. Look at how many times the words love and power are used. Love as it's related to power. And you're going to find that as we dig into this passage. And so Ephesians 3, 1. Paul writes, for this reason, I kneel before the father. You said, wait, we're in 14. Yeah, I wanted you to see. He takes a break between 3.1 and 3.14. He started out in 3.1 saying, for this reason I kneel before the Father. And then he was, wait a second, I want to talk to you more about this unity in Christ. It's the mystery of Christ. It's the mystery of Ephesians where Jew and Gentile were brought together. This was a big deal. You see, if you were a Jew in that day, you thought there were two kinds of people in the world. There were Jews and then there was everybody else. People wonder, how, how did the Jews think that they were saved back in that day? Well, it's, they were Jews. They were born Jews. And, and so they thought they would be with God forever. But Paul says, no, the Gentiles have been brought into this. And we have to remember that this is, this is an important letter. Because it has a first century message to the Ephesians, but it has a 21st century application for us, and it's a good reminder for us that if God doesn't show favoritism, then neither should we, that the ground is level around the cross, that no one man or woman stands above another, that we are equal in God's sight. And that has to start here in the church. We're not given the privilege of hate. God reserves that for himself because only he can handle it. We are to see one another as equals before him. So let me ask you a question. In light of who we are before Christ, do our lives demonstrate more evidence of human depravity? The power of God's love. We as a church, do we we illustrate through the way we live and respond in this world? Do we illustrate more human depravity or the power of God's love living in and through us? Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. Let me ask you a question. Do you pray? Do you pray? Or is it just over the spaghetti before dinner time? Do we have a lifestyle of prayer where we commune with God? You know, we pray for different things. We pray when we're afraid. We pray for protection. We think pray for when things go wrong. We pray about the future. All sorts of things. We shoot up an arrow prayer once in a while. But we have that time. Do we have that time where we read, where we pray, where we listen and respond? All of us as believers should have that time before God where we just sit. You know, I have this, uh, I have this template. I got to have a list. If I start praying and I don't have something in for me to keep me on track, all it takes is one squirrel and I'm gone. Does anybody else relate to that? Or then you find yourself sound asleep. And that, by the way, Prayer is a good way to go to sleep, okay? I can't think of a better way to go to sleep. It's better than worrying. Prayer is a great way. Go to sleep while you're talking to God. But I have this little prayer that I pray at the beginning of my time with God. Sovereign Lord, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. I know that my faith is more clearly expressed in the way I live than what I claim to believe. And then from Augustine, You have made me for yourself, O Lord, and my heart is restless until it rests in you. So create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me from the Psalms. Help me to seek the mind of Christ, which leads me to walk by the Spirit. That's how I begin my prayers. And then I have a list. I have a list of people I pray for, and then I have things that I memorize. And that's my time with the Lord where I read, pray, listen, and respond. And I see this in Paul. And I've created this template. You can go there and you can get a template. And and it's just a template of this and you can fill it out for yourself. But at least it gets you started somewhere. You know, I had a friend who went to the doctor and found out he was hypoglycemic. And they said, you got to stop eating sugar. And he said, I just don't think I can do that. He said, I got to have my sugar. And the doctor told him, if you will do this, if you will eat the things that I'm telling you to eat, your body will begin to crave what you eat. Your body will begin to crave what you eat. It's the same way with prayer. If you create that time where you spend time with him every day, then you will get to the point where you something's wrong. If I haven't prayed. If I haven't spent time with God, I know there's something missing. And, and, and my course is off. So I encourage you to follow Paul's example. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. The father is the uncreated one. And every family on earth exists because of him. Well then he talks about love. Or he prays for our strength. We have a whole section here with verse 16 and 17. Where he prays. For our strength. He said I pray that out of his glorious riches. Of which he has plenty. God's not running low. That he may strengthen you with power. That Greek word is, is dynamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. Dynamic. Living. Power. I pray that he may strengthen you with power. Listen to this. Through his spirit. In your inner being. Do you have an inner being? I think sometimes we've just lost touch with an inner being. We're so busy and we've got our list and we're going and doing and we're worrying and we're frantic. But he says, through your inner being, we need to get back in touch with that inner being because that's where the spirit dwells. And you see, you need to, you need to nourish that inner being so Let me tell you something. That inner being inside of you where you memorize those scriptures and where you pray and where you grow in him. When the tough times come. That's what you've got to count on to come to the surface. Because you see, when you run up against some tragedy in your life. Or you're you've told you've got cancer. Or there's something that that you just can't deal with. It's just got you so rattled. Then all of a sudden you can't fast forward and pick up the word and start reading and say, now I'm going to get serious about my faith. No, no, no. You can't think during those times. And what happens is that wellspring inside of you, it rises to the surface and it gives you that peace that transcends all understanding and it guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We need to nourish that inner being because that is where the Spirit dwells in the deepest part of us. Everything else is superficial. That He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your being, inner being so that so that Christ may dwell in your heart's Through works. Is that what it says? What does it say? Faith. 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 It's not through works. Don't don't be trapped by that. Your works are never going to get you to heaven. Your works are never going to give you peace. It's through faith. Faith is our submission to God's revelation. Faith is our submission to what God has revealed to us in his word. He may dwell in your hearts through your faith. This verse is so full of meaning. It's, a seminary professor would tell you that this verse is very Trinitarian. It's very Trinitarian because you see the Father and the Son... In the Holy Spirit, in these verses. The Father strengthens us through His Spirit so that Christ may dwell in us. We're strengthened in our innermost being through the Holy Spirit so that Christ can be the center of who we are. You know, Peter Drucker once said that, that culture eats strategy for breakfast well, I'm going to one-up Drucker on this. The Holy Spirit eats strategy for breakfast. Those buildings and stuff that appear, the buildings that you're sitting in, it wasn't because of some person's great strategy or plan. It was the work of the Holy Spirit through the people of God that made it happen. Did there have to be plans? Yes. But it started with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit eats strategy for breakfast. Just let him work in your heart, in your life, and see if that's not the case. Because he will. Just hand it over to him. Take your hand off the steering wheel and let him do what he does best. Why? Because that's the key to everything. It's the whole reason you exist. Is so that other people will see him in you and be drawn to that light and bring glory to God. Paul wrote in Romans 5.5 5, that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given into us. And so his love through the Spirit comes in and transforms us if we will allow him to do it. Well, then he talks about that love, that agape love. He says, and I pray that you being rooted like a plant and being established like a building. There's a very architectural feel to this section. That you being rooted and established in what? Love. And you know, there are different words in the Greek for love, eros, phileo, so forth. But this word is agape. Agape is a love that you're, that we are not capable of in and of ourselves. It's only God loving through us. You see once we're established in that inner being and the holy spirit is within inside us then god has the possibility of loving others through us That's what agape is And you know what agape love is It's love that gives expecting nothing in return Love that gives expecting nothing in return it just is The very joy of whatever you do comes because you love. It's Christ working through us. That you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. There's the paradox again. Rooted and established in love so that you may have power. Power together with all the Lord's people, to grasp, to comprehend. Oh, look at it. How wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. Whenever you think about this passage and those words, I want you to think about this. How wide. (laughs) How long how high how deep his love is wide enough wide enough to reach the whole world john 3:16 for god so loved the world it's wide enough to reach all the world it's long enough to reach all the way into eternity It's high enough to take us to heaven, where we'll spend eternity with God. And it's deep enough to reach the lowest sinner. And who was that? It was Paul. He said, I'm the worst of the worst. He said, I'm the worst that's ever been. The chiefest of sinners, as the old King James said it. It's deep enough to reach you at your darkest moment. It's deep enough to reach you when you've made your greatest mistake. His love says, I know. I got you. Walk with me. (laughs) That's God's love. He died on the cross expecting nothing in return because there's nothing we could give him. There's nothing that we can do for him that makes him any happier, any greater. He just does what he does, he just loves. And we don't work for him to earn our salvation, we work for him because of our salvation, out of gratitude. Hmm. I picture Paul sitting in prison writing these verses about love and how beautiful love is. You know, the great preacher Donald Barnhouse one wrote, once wrote about love. As it relates to Galatians 5.22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit. And that's what we want to do. We want to evidence the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Right? Right? I thought so. Just make sure you're not snoozing. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. Faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. and self-control. And Barnhouse wrote about the fruit of the spirit he said love is the key he said joy is love singing peace is love resting patience is love enduring kindness is love's touch goodness Is love's character. Faithfulness. Is love's habit. Gentleness. Is love's selflessness. And self-control. Is love. Holding the reins. Holding the reins. Paul. Sitting in prison late at night. Speculation on my part. Writing these words with his broken hands and fingers. And there must have been a sense of satisfaction when he finished this first half of Ephesians. This is who they're supposed to be. And then in the midst of that, he just broke out in praise. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably all we ask or imagine. According to his power. That is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Forever forever and ever. Amen. (laughs) It was something to celebrate. God's love born in our hearts of the Holy Spirit and expressed through our actions. It's what makes us different. And then I imagine Paul maybe just being satisfied and lying on his bunk, and going to sleep. Because the next day, he's going to be telling us what we're supposed to be doing with all this. Would you just bow for a moment? And just think about your life. Think about who you are. Is your faith being shaped by your life, or is your faith shaping your life? Are you walking with him? Are you spending time with him? Are you giving him the opportunity to just dwell in your heart and then express himself through you? Love expecting nothing in return. If Satan's had you all twisted up then cast him aside through the great power of Jesus and get back on the right track because his love is better make a commitment right now in your heart to know him and to know him more there's no higher calling
1: do
0: qualified ministers the gospel of the love of christ i say as we leave let us go and let's minister that love that has been freely given to us let's freely minister to that love to those around us we have the campbells in the prayer room if you if you'd like to pray with somebody today but if not god bless you all and we'll see you next week